You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 23rd of March. I'm Jane Kavner from our Corporate Treasury team and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Ali Mangan to discuss recent developments in the financial markets where we look at the global outlook for interest rates and the week ahead. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Ali, the Bank of England and the Fed met last week, and while it's expected the Bank of England was somewhat uneventful, the Fed was of more interest, with new forecasts for us to look at. Yeah, the Bank of England came with forecasts last month, so there was less focus on that. But we got new quarterly forecasts from the Fed. We haven't seen anything since before Christmas on that front. And there's a lot of interest in that because markets have become increasingly nervous with the amount of fiscal stimulus that's now going into the US economy, that we'll see a very strong rebound in economic activity. That's not the problem itself, but that would bring higher inflation in particular. So that, that has been concerning the markets. And you know the Fed forecasts were certainly strong. They upped their forecast for growth for by the end of this year from 42 to 6.5%, which is obviously a very, very strong growth rate. They've also forecast inflation rising above the 2% target. It has been down around 1%. We grew all the way to 2.5%. And then the slack in the labour market closing as well. I mean, their forecast of the unemployment rate would get down below 4% by the end of next year. Now, we started off with a... I suppose, a pre-pandemic level of unemployment of 3.5%. That was the lowest we saw in over 50 years. So the Fed is now talking that by the end of next year, we'll be back down close to those levels at, say, a sub-4% rate. And when you look at the broader US economy, you see very strong rises in house prices, you know, a buying stock market. And as a result, compared to the start of the year, markets have really begun to price in rate hikes in the US and indeed in the UK. They're expecting rates to increase from the second half of next year and really to rise towards 2% over the following years. And if you go back to the start of the year, you know, the expectation was there'd be no rate increases in the US until 2004, or say 2024, 2025, and it'd still be below 1% in five or six years' time. So there's been a dramatic change in the interest rate outlook in the US. And I suppose what's caught a lot of attention is that's translated into much higher long-term bond yields of treasury yields. Again, you go back to last summer, the 10-year treasury yield was around a half percent. The start of this year is around 0.9%. But in the first three months of this year, it's, it's you know been climbing and climbing and climbing and got to 1.7%. So the Fed tried to convince the markets that they will keep policy in hold, as well as their macro forecasts, what we also get once every three months from the Fed is their projections on where they think official interest rates will go. And despite that economic backdrop that I outlined there, the view of the Fed is that it will keep interest rates unchanged until 2024. The Fed rate projections go out until the end of 2023, and there's no rate increase anticipated in their projections on rates. They still see rates remaining at virtually zero. And you know, Markets have great difficulty believing that, given the scale of fiscal stimulus that's been put in, the rise in private sector savings, the scope there is there for a very strong rebound and for inflation to pick up. And obviously with unemployment falling back below 4% by the end of next year, according to the Fed, markets are just can't square that circle that the Fed won't increase interest rates in those sort of circumstances. So you know, the, the Federal Reserve governor was out trying to assure markets that there would be increased in interest rates, but they really haven't bought that. I mean, the expectation still is that rates will start to rise in the US from the second half of next year and then rise steadily over the, the subsequent years. 
And in the aftermath of the meeting, we saw a further rise in 10-year bond yields, which reflects those expectations that the Fed will start hiking rates in the second half of next year. And it's the same in the UK, I've got to say. You know, the market believes that the Bank of England will start to increase rates next year as well. Obviously, the, the fiscal supports have been extended until the end of the third quarter of the UK. They're well advanced in terms of their vaccine rollout programme. The Bank of England is forecasting 7% plus growth for the UK economy next year and unemployment again falling quite sharply. So again, markets think in the UK that rates will start to rise from the, the second half of next year. Now, the market doesn't expect we'll get the same scale of rate increases in the UK as we get in the US. I mean, there are much more modest rate increases built in, but nonetheless, starting from next year, and again, the Bank of England has been indicating that it doesn't expect to be increasing interest rates anytime soon. Thanks, Harry. So a, a bullish tone then when looking to the US and the UK, but if we turn our attention to the Eurozone, Eurozone yields have been much slower to move with the curve pointing to 2026 at the earliest. Well, no, the markets are anticipating rates will start to rise in the Eurozone in maybe second half 2024. But you mentioned 2026, you know, rates are negative in the Eurozone. So markets think maybe by the end of 2026, we might see rates turn positive. So for the next five or six years, the expectation is that Eurozone rates will remain negative. They will start to rise maybe in 2024, but that's off a level of minus 0.5%. So for the next three years, the markets believe Eurozone rates won't be moving. So as you noted, the rise in long-term interest rates in the eurozone has been much more muted than in the uk and in the us and indeed uh, you know irish 10-year yields are still around zero the 10-year benchmark yield in the eurozone is the 10-year german yield it's yielding around minus 0.3 percent okay it's off its lows of minus 0.5 minus 0.6 but we, we've had a, a rise in, in us rates of about 125 130 basis points you know, compared to just 25 or 30 basis points in the Eurozone. So the rise in Eurozone rates has been much more muted, and I'd say dragged up almost unwillingly by the rising global interest rates, long-term rates. So I think the markets are much more comfortable with the view that rate increases in the Eurozone are a long way off. And, and there's good reason for that. One is, we know the role of the vaccines is much slower in the Eurozone. It's going to be delayed recovery there probably more muted recovery. The scale of the fiscal stimulus in the Eurozone is nowhere near what's been provided in the UK and in the US. And obviously the starting point is much higher in terms of unemployment in the Eurozone. And then we have you know, the ECB saying, certainly, yeah, we think inflation will rise this year because of higher energy prices and reminding of fat cuts, but it'll be very much transitory. And while inflation might pick up towards 2% over the course of this year, they see it falling back down to you know, near 1% next year, remaining below 1.5% in 2023. It's important to bear that in mind. And that might have spillover effects into currency markets as well. Thanks, Ali. Before we look at the currency markets, we might actually look at the data due next week because following a relatively quiet week, we have flash PMIs, which will be of interest due, and a heavy week of data out of the UK. Yeah, the PMIs get a lot of attention because of the, the first real set of indicators we get for any month. So uh, even though we're in March, we get March data. And I suppose they may validate what market expectations are there. We expect to see strong PMI data out of the US for both the manufacturing and services sector. Now, manufacturing has been doing well in the UK and in the Eurozone, but the services sector remains very weak. And I think the, the expectation is that's what we'll see next week. Eurozone PMIs remaining in contraction territory. 
maybe somewhat stronger in the UK despite the lockdown there. So overall, those data will, I think, highlight that divergence between the performance of the Eurozone economy on one hand being weak and certainly a strong recovery now taking root in the US and a basis for a strong recovery in the UK as well. Now, we will get data in the UK. You see a lot of data out there on the labour market, on retail sales, on inflation. You know, the data for the first quarter of the UK, we will get, for example, retail sales for February. They fell sharply in January because of the lockdown. They may recover somewhat in February, but remain at very subdued levels. But I think markets have recognised that we will see a contraction output in the UK in the first quarter. But what they're looking at is the pace of the rollout of the vaccine there. And the government's plan to reopen the economy over quarter two. The fiscal still has been extended into the second half of the year. So the foundation's in place for a strong rebound by the UK economy. Thanks, Ali. And as you say, looking to the currencies, like the dollar and the pound are benefiting as the US and UK economies have begun opening up much quicker on the back of the speed at which they've been rolling out the vaccines. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And expectations then that for interest rates to flow from that. So I think obviously some recovery in the, the sterling hasn't been a surprise given the trade deal, etc., and the role of the vaccines. The general forecast, including our own, was that the dollar could come under pressure this year because the support will be there from higher interest rates than it has enjoyed in the past. But that obviously has changed in the last two or three months. And we could be looking at a scenario here now if the markets are right, where rates are rising in the US before elsewhere, certainly before the Eurozone. So what we've seen is some recovery by the dollar. The dollar lost a lot of ground in the second half of last year, but the dollar has staged recovery against most currencies, bar sterling, so it's higher against the euro, the Aussie dollar, Kiwi dollar, etc., climbing on a trade-weighted basis on this outlook for higher US interest rates. So we're going to have to, I think, look at our forecasts again. Now, we had said that we thought the euro would trade around the 120 level in the first quarter of the year, but it could recover back up to 125 later on the year. I think that would become a challenge if markets become increasingly convinced that rates are going to start to rise in the US from next year but remain on hold and indeed in negative territory in, in the Eurozone. So there is strong support off the Euro at around 116, 117, 118. And in fairness, the Euro dropped below 120, but it has it's sort of stabilised around 119, bit back up towards 120. It's not falling dramatically. The other thing to bear in mind as well is that the markets are very short the dollar because of this view they had the early part of the year. So it's, it's going to be hard for the Euro to make ground against... The dollar, given the backdrop I've outlined there for both the economies, the recovery prospects and interest rates, certainly over the course of this year. Thanks, Ali. And looking at your sterling, then, it seemed to find a floor around the 85.40 this week with cable back below 139. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, again, we, we, we had indicated that there was a lot of support for your sterling around between 84 and a half, 85 up towards 87. So we had the recovery by sterling. It's ran out of a bit of steam. But you'd have to say that the currency looks well anchored around these levels. It's finding it harder to make further progress because of strong support levels there for the euro. But I think, again, we'd have to say that the prospects of the UK currency are better than at the start of the year, simply because of the pace at which they're rolling out the vaccines, the extension of the fiscal supports, and the brightening prospects for the UK economy. Again, just contrast what's happened over the weekend and, and, and over the past week. A lot of European economies going back into lockdown, a rising number of COVID cases. We're seeing that here ourselves, indeed, in terms of questions of whether or not we can be reopening the economy in April or not. So, you know, as long as Europe, or sorry, mainland Europe, the Euro, the EU, is very slow in rolling out these vaccines, it's going to be vulnerable to these 
spikes and renewed surges in COVID cases. So for the EU, getting vaccinations, accelerating vaccinations must be priority one in terms of laying the foundations, not just overcoming COVID, which we certainly want, but also for the economic recovery, sustained economic recovery. Thanks, Ollie. Plenty for us to keep an eye on. And thanks again for the update. A big thanks to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you will find details of AIB's support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Stay safe and stay well. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.